Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, everybody. I'm your host, Katie Thompson. Thank you so much for being here. And today I have the literal boss bitch herself, Lindsay Kirkendall. <laughs> so uh, Lindsay and our founder, Aaron, actually go way back. Aaron has worked with Lindsay quite a bit on her career. And we thought that it would be super important to bring Lindsay in today to talk to all of our artists who are not exactly sure how to create an income to support your artistry. And also for those of you who are just kind of getting started out and you really don't know where to go, Lindsay is a wealth of information and she will school you so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So again, Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. I know Aaron and I are, you know, we're just very excited uh, to, to have you on the show. So could you maybe talk a little bit about your background and how you got to this amazing coaching business that you have essentially just been able to like impart all of your knowledge to everybody? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, it is, it's been a long time. It, it has has taken a long time, I guess I should say, of a lot of life experience, far more in some ways than my um, my like corporate experience in the music business, because so much of this has been formed because I've always been a woman who wanted to have it all. Like I wanted to be able to perform and, and express my creative you know, leanings and, and sing and do all of the things. And then I also wanted to have kids and I wanted to have a family and I wanted to travel and I wanted to homeschool my kids and I wanted to do all the things. And for me, I, um, you know, I was going to high school in an era where record deals were still the only way, you know, we live in an era now where there's so much possibility for artists to truly design a career and life that is holistically in service to the artist, not just to the product of music, which I think is super exciting. But, you know, when you're in high school and you're looking ahead to college and you're looking ahead to future plans and moving into adulthood, you're, you're synthesizing information based on what's happening around you in the world and what you want to do with your life. And so for me, I knew I wanted to live a creative life. I was very called to the entertainment industry. I knew I wanted to do that, but I was also very equally called to be a mom. And I use the word called loosely. I don't mean it in a religious sense, but like that was, you know, that was just, I knew that that was what was in my heart. I knew that that was what was meant for my life. And the only way I could conceive of that being a reality for me was to become a celebrity. Because once you're a celebrity, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. If you want, you have enough money, you can call the shots, you're making the money for the the industry or the business or the label or whatever. So like you have a lot of leverage. So if I wanted to have kids or if I want to do this, that, or the other in my 17 year old brain, I thought, well, that's the way to do it. That's ultimately the way to achieve freedom, which now being, you know, someone who is several decades away from 17, I realized that was always what I was after was really just freedom Mm -hmm. to direct my life. And back then the way I saw that happening was by becoming a celebrity and being in entertainment. And, and it also spoke to my proclivities and my talents and my abilities to begin with. So I ended up going to college, did not love it. Um, and, and I had been doing acting and modeling and stuff since I was in junior high. 
So I have a lot of experience. I grew up in Southern California. I have a lot of experience um, in the entertainment world from lots of different aspects. And then when I decided to move to Nashville, uh, I met my husband six weeks after I moved. It was something really crazy. Wow. It was more like six months. And then we were married 10 months after that. Oh, wow. (laughs) And very naive. And, um, you know, when you get married that young, like your brain immediately goes into like, now I have to earn money. Right. So it was easier for me to go get a job than to figure out how to be an artist, which at that point it was 2006, 2007, the industry was about to implode. No one knew what was happening with record deals anymore. It was just a, a real mess. And so I ended up getting a job at a music magazine and um, I started learning about digital marketing and I started seeing what was possible when you could build an audience of people around or a digital audience of people around a common theme. And Mm -hmm. so the magazine that I was working for, they had multiple publications and newsletter email lists of thousands and thousands and thousands of people that they were able to monetize hand over fist every month because they were able to create offers to that audience based on the things that they had raised their hand digitally and said, yes, I'm interested in this because they had exchanged an email for it. So it really opened my eyes to the possibilities of what was available to artists in this day and age if they were able to just build their audiences digitally. Right. And so um, when I left that job, my husband, who's a music producer and a videographer, we started a business together where I was showing artists how to build you know, their businesses online. He was doing music production. Um, we did that for a few years together and then I actually went on to do some management. Um, and then I actually, my last corporate job in the industry, I was manager of national promo for, um, a major record label here in Nashville. So, um, it's been a long ride, but ultimately the way that I got to where I'm at now is because I've always been observing the shifts in the industry and trying to figure out how to create a life for myself where I got to be all the things that I wanted to be and not have to amputate things like my desire for a family or my desire to travel or whatever um, for the sake of getting a record deal or for the sake of signing with a management company or what have you. And I've seen so many horror stories of people who have been signed to management deals and they're still living at home with mom and dad in the basement and they can't go play the shows that they want to play because the manager says no, because those don't look the right way for your brand or whatever. And so they're, they're broke. Yep. <laughs> so it's just a lot of, and I know you know this, but a lot of garbage happens in the industry that's never really in the best interest of the artist. Um, right. And so just seeing that from behind the scenes is also really in boldened me to want to specifically for female artists help them see the forest for the trees see the possibility that exists when we choose to say yes to ourselves instead of waiting for a record label or a manager to say yes to us that's awesome i thank you for being such a beacon of light when it comes to that because even even though you know the industry has changed so much even in the last 10 years but yeah. not enough artists are actually paying attention to those shifts and they're not they're not being business minded like enough to pick up on these changes to make changes to their own career even right so could you talk about the mindset that 
it really does take to be a successful artist and running yourself as a business and not just as a starving artist? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of things that contribute, because I think about this a lot, but there's a lot of things that contribute to the reasons why, oh, here we are now. Didn't I tell you I was a mom? <laughs> and my dog just came in. See? Hey, real life, it, there, folks. Real, it, life. It, real life. It's good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Take happy food. Oh, mom. I ate four bites of pasta. That's awesome. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> my husband is going to hear for that. <laughs> Okay, so getting back to your question, what about um, the mindset do do artists need to be considering? And I think a lot of it is, it it's not the I don't think the onus is always on the artist in the beginning. I think that the artist has just been watching what the industry has been doing. Because think about it, if you're an architect. You're, and you want to become an architect, you know you want to be an architect, you want to get into that industry, you follow the trends of the architecture industry, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing for really most other industries. But with artistry, the music business, like the music business industrial complex exists only because of certain broadcast media platforms. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Radio print, you know, and, um, and, you know, TV to some degree outside of that, there was no industry for almost a hundred years. So when we consider what the tech revolution has done for artists and how they are thinking about themselves as business owners, we have to first consider that artists are still largely looking to the music business to take their cues and how to promote how to build their career, grow an audience, all of this stuff. And there's so much stuff about the new music era and how to you know, be successful in the new music era, but it's still old school principles just with new school tools. Like Spotify is just a new radio station. Getting mm-hmm. Spotify promotion is the same as promoting on radio. It really is like, you're still pitching to playlist curators to get your song on a playlist in the same way a radio promoter would pitch to get your song on major rotation or whatever. It's the same thing. It's not a new idea on how to grow an audience, how to connect with fans and how to monetize those fans. So you can make a living doing what you love. So I think the main thing that artists need to really consider is not looking at the music business anymore because I was at a a conference back in September. I was asked to come speak at a songwriting conference and there was a very, very well um, known songwriter there who was one of the main facilitators. And I was not, I'd never met her before. I wasn't really sure how she was going to um, accept my ideologies. (laughs) And so I was kind of trying to like toe the line and kind of see how much she would, you know, resonate with what I was saying. And she really did. She was in agreement. And finally she came out and she just said, you know, it's an industry that doesn't know it's already dead. And I was like, Anna, I didn't even have to say it. This is someone who is in the industry and has made their career doing the traditional things that the traditional music business model teaches or, or propagates. 
And she straight up said, they don't even know they're already dead. Wow. So I think it's important for artists to understand that the music business is a model that is floundering and is, is really not sure how to turn that Titanic around. We'll put it that way. Yeah. So the best thing I think artists can do in this day and age is actually look at what online entrepreneurs are doing. What are the most successful digital business people doing? How are they growing their audience? How are they connecting with their audience? How are they selling to their audience? Because music and, and business, they can go hand in hand, but one of the most important things um, as a business owner that you need to be honest with yourself about is what are people paying for? Yeah. If you want to make money, you have to identify what people are willing to pay for. And right now, people aren't paying for music the way they were 25 years ago when they'd go buy a CD. And that sucks. Like, I hate that. But it is what it is. Yeah. And until we're willing to be honest about the fact that the economy right now is not paying for music, at least in the way that it used to, then we are starting to finally, then we'll be able to finally ask the right questions that will lead us to the place that we ultimately want to go. Right. So I'm sure that for, for anybody that's listening to this, this probably sounds like we're kind of bringing it down a peg, but let's, let's talk about what you can do in the interim to a still make money and you know pay your bills keep clothes on your back but then also fund your artist career so that you can still grow it and even though like i I love what you said about how the fact that like people aren't paying right now so for example you know it costs cost me 9.99 a month for apple itunes and i can stream literally everything i want right so as an artist I know I'm getting fractions of pennies every time somebody plays my song. Right. And especially because I'm not a big artist, I ain't making nothing. So that's why Aaron and I have adopted Music on the Move Studios. And it's still, A, it keeps us in music and we get to teach and we have a fantastic time doing it. And it is going to be bringing in more money where we're working diligently on that but let's let's give people kind of like a little you know ray of hope here so in your coaching business you show artists how they can make a six-figure income to support their artist career yes yeah right so the, the thing that i love about what i do is that it's part business consulting and part coaching because i could give people strategy all day long and be like this is what you should go do But if you don't also have a little bit of that like emotional and and spiritual support of like overcoming your own self-sabotage in building a business, it's really hard to just always implement strategy and be successful. Sure. So um, having that dual approach has been really, really helpful for me in working with artists because no two artists' businesses are the same, nor will they ever be. And again, this goes back kind of to the question that we were talking about a second ago, where it's like the music business has one way of doing things. And it only works for a very, 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 very tiny fraction of artists because they have a cookie cutter mold that they need you to fit inside of because that's what is marketable. That's what sells. That's what's going to keep the lights on in their business. And if you don't fit inside that, then you're not going to have a career. 
Right. That's unfair to the vast majority of artists who are legitimately talented, who have something to say, and who have an audience that needs to hear what they have to say in only the unique way that they can say it. And so because artists are so varied, because people are so varied, you have to have a different approach with each different artist. You have to help them build a business that speaks to their strengths, that speaks to the kind of person that they are that speaks to their goals some people are like me and want to have all the babies and some people are like i'm never having a kid and both are right yeah you know and both are going to necessitate a different business model and so from that standpoint there's also you have to understand like there i work with artists that are self-sufficient young women that are maybe just out of college and do not have any support from family anybody like they're working and figuring it out. And then I've got people who have really wealthy parents and they're blessed to have parent support. And then I've got people who have an investor into their business. Like there's so many different ways that people start in their music business. So it really is important to understand first where you're coming from, because an artist that has some support, some financial support from maybe a family member or an investor, they can have a much different approach to their music career than someone who doesn't have access to that funding in the same way. Right. And so that could mean you could straight go right into creating a digital funnel and running traffic to your brand and your music and obviously, and you need to still have a strong brand foundation first. So when people do see your ads, they do want to go stream your music and stream your material. But that's a little bit similar to the same way that the music business has always done things where it's only focused on selling music. So they're dumping a bunch of money into getting traffic to go stream your stuff. And if you get enough streams, sure, you make a decent, you can make a decent little income. Mm-hmm but I don't know what those profit margins are and it's different for everybody. Right. And so that's, that is one way to start. Right. But that requires a lot of funds. It also requires some time and some testing. And, you know, if you've got someone that's willing to just write you a, a blank check, like go for it. Right. Yeah. Most of us are not in that situation. Correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> What we need to do is we really need to look at the artist as a whole picture and not just a musician, because the reality is, is that, and I was having this conversation actually just with a client right before I got on with you. And we were talking about the fact that most artists are really multifaceted creatives. Mm -hmm. They're not just musicians. Right. There's very few people in the world that are just one note musicians and that's all they do. Mm -hmm. Most artists have, I mean, I'm constantly amazed at clients that come to me and they're like, I have this idea and that idea, and then I'm going to do this piece of merch and then I'm going to do this art over here and I'm going to start a ranch and I'm going to, and I'm like, this is amazing because here are all these things that are still intrinsically a part of who you are and, and your brand mm -hmm. that you can monetize because people will pay for it. And then it's just a matter of really synthesizing that in your branding and your social media content. So people start to understand not just, oh, I'm coming to this person's page because they're a musician and I want to listen to their music. Well, newsflash, no one discovers new music on Instagram. 
Right. Like, let's just be honest. No one gets on Instagram to listen to music. Right. And, and most social media platforms are not what people get on to discover new music. Now, music discovery can happen, but that's not why people are getting on. Yeah. So they're getting on because they're wanting to be entertained or connect with family or friends or whatever. So you have to know that first you need to be creating content and creating a brand experience for your audience or future audience that is going to help them get a sense of who you are and what value they are going to derive from following you. Yeah. And then from there, you can start to identify what are the unique revenue streams that are available to you inside your brand, inside who you are, inside your strengths and your goals, how you want to show up. Like I've got some artists that want to also do coaching because they're really good at it and it freaking is, they love it. Yeah. You know, and then I have other artists that are like you and Aaron that want to teach and I have other artists that are doing things that are completely outside of music, but they love it and they're passionate. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, um, a, one of my own personal coaches. She is, she's not a musician, but she does want to learn to play piano and, and sing. And she plays a little bit of guitar and she's like, I mean, I wish I could be doing that all day, every day, but I have three kids. Right. You know, I have a family, I have responsibilities and I'm also really good at coaching and I also really love it. So can we maybe instead of doing our first favorite thing and trying to squeeze blood out of that rock to, you know, support our financial life, could we maybe just spend a little short amount of time, two years, maybe doing our second favorite thing and building an audience and building a financial foundation for ourselves that sets us up to be able to do our first favorite thing for the rest of our life. Right. Like that seems like a pretty good trade-off to me, given that the options for us 10, 15 years ago were sell your soul to a record deal. Right. Off your fingers, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, so real. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, okay, so case in point, uh, have you met Mary Jennings yet? That sounds so familiar. Okay. So she's been one of the artists that has, you know, she's come onto music on the move quite a bit. She creates custom bolos, bolo ties. Yeah. And and they're beautiful. I've, I actually have two and I'm probably going to order more because they're incredible. Right. But yeah. she's, she's found a means to, you know, support herself and her daughter and, help really fund her artist career and it's has really not a whole lot to do with music other than saying hey you could wear this on stage you know and i've i've heard of other artists that have their own candle company mm -hmm. it, it's completely random but they're like i really like candles i'm gonna pair with this candle company you know so uh i think that you know like you said if if we could take you know a year to two years to really foster something that will allow us to do that number one priority yeah why wouldn't we take that time right and it's really not that it's not rocket science right. you know it's just a matter of time and consistency and yeah. growing the audience and growing the financial foundation for all of that and i love um I love what you said about like, it doesn't really have that much to do with music, but the really cool thing was two things I wanted to say. One thing that I think is, is huge that artists don't realize is that you all, we all, I'm including myself in this, we all really do have 
a sixth creative sense. You know, we have the ability to tap into divine inspiration in a way that the average population does not. So when it comes to Bolo Ties, for example, she's probably able to create some really cool advertising and marketing because she's a fucking creative. Right. In a, in a way that an average marketer that got a marketing degree, you know, like <laughs> probably can't because yeah. they're not an artist, right? you know? And so I think that that's really important to understand when we were talking about possibility for artists in this day and age and, and creating income. It's like, you really have a leg up on the competition when it comes to marketing. And then the other piece of, you know, like the bolo tie conversation is, there's some really beautiful ways, and I've had clients do this before, where if you are monetizing a product like a bolo tie, um, you can, and, and typically in those cases, you're, you eventually get to the point where you're running paid traffic to people to purchase the, the, the product. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about that is we've all done this. We've opted in or we've bought something, and then all of a sudden we're getting their emails, right? Like we've opted in, and now we're in the email funnel. And they're dripping emails on us. And how freaking cool if you found an ad and you bought some product and then come to find out through the course of these emails, oh, this person is also a musician and they're sharing their music with you. You've just now made a new fan of your music because you sold them a bolo tie. Yeah. Right? So there's a lot of really savvy marketing strategies we can employ when it comes to, well, I don't want to sacrifice my music just to go over here and make bolo ties. And it's like, well, actually you don't have to, because the focus is not on the music or the product of the music. The focus is on the brand of the person right. and the brand of the person can show up as a bolo tie maker and as an artist. And there are lots of really cool ways to intertwine that and, and speak about it regularly with your fans and your social audience in a way that doesn't feel like what? This doesn't make any sense. It makes complete sense when you are leading from a place of this is who I am as a personal brand. And can we talk a little bit about how you find your personal brand? Because I know you you work on this a lot with, you know, the people that you coach. And there's, I think for some of our listeners who are maybe just starting to kind of dip their toe in the industry, can you talk about how you help your clientele find their personal brand? Yeah. Yeah. We always start with a exercise where I just ask them like, Hey, describe yourself in three words and then ask three to five people that you trust to describe you in three words. And then we kind of go through a process of seeing what are the themes that pop up because people in general are not great at being objective about themselves. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're just not. And so I think in large part, that's why I love coaching so much because I get to tell people how fucking cool they are. (laughs) I'm like over here just going, do you realize how amazing and compelling this is? You know, and, and we don't because we're us and we live with it every day and we really don't have a sense of the things that come naturally to us are in fact our superpowers. Mm You know, um, you know, one of mine is just being able to talk like I could talk forever. Uh, <laughs> some might not find that a superpower, but I do. Like, that's <laughs> an ability I have. And it's taken me a really long time to just own that. Most people, we don't. We're not aware of it because it's something that comes so naturally. And then if we do become aware of it, we've all grown up in this world or we've had families that have sent us all these mixed messages about how to hide yourself, especially as women, like dim your light, do all these things, edit, you know, conform. And so it's even more difficult sometimes to 
really own um, what your value is. You know, what do you, what do you bring to the conversation? What do you bring to the table? And um, that's, that's a process that everybody I think who's going to be successful as an artist or a business owner really needs to go through to the place where they do finally feel confident in owning that value. Because as artists, we don't really, and this is where we've, again, I think been duped by the music business. We've been conditioned to believe that we're here to create the product of the music. And there's been this over-focus on product, 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 when really artists are here to show up and share our lives with people. Yeah. You know, we're here to be leaders of our own mini movements. Yet the music is one of the tools that we use to communicate what we're doing. But ultimately, we're just here to show up and, and be open and honest and be fully expressed and, and give other people permission to do the same. And so if we can't have a really good sense of what our value is, we can't be effective in, in building a business where the product is actually us, is actually us being fully ourselves. And then, of course, when you add the social media layer onto it, when we're using those outlets for our marketing, you have to be able to communicate the value or you're not going to get anyone's attention and they're certainly not going to buy. Right. You know? And so I think that that's the really, again, another cool thing that artists have access to as business owners that the average business owner doesn't because we're all very different. You know, yeah. I remember even like when Erin was a client and we were working together, she was one of two clients I had at the time that were both vocal coaches. And when I asked them to describe who they were, they came up with very different ways of expressing who they were and their value and how they showed up for their clients. So like on paper, they were doing the same thing, but underneath it all, they were going to attract a very different client because sure. they were very different people with different values and passions and skills and all of those types of things. And so ultimately, like we just, I don't know, I kind of went on a rabbit trail on that one, but okay. ultimately we have such possibility as artists in this day and age to really create businesses that are in complete alignment with us, that we're in complete control of, and that are really just allowing us to be fully ourselves and fully expressed. And I think that's what most artists just want at the end of the day, is just to be fully expressed in the world, you know, and to be seen. Absolutely. Well, and when we can be that you know, and this is so interesting. The last few episodes that I have done just recently in the last two weeks, I feel like the underlying theme of all of them is authenticity mm -hmm. and, and how important that is becoming in the music industry right now. The, the more that you hear artists talk, they're talking about being the most authentic version of themselves because so much on mainstream radio is not authentic. Yeah. And so if you can, if you can find, you know, your path and your brand, which is essentially the most authentic, often words, Katie, words are hard. <laughs> uh, the most authentic version of yourself is exactly what your brand should be. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that this seems to be a theme. So hopefully in 2022, when everybody's listening to all of these episodes, we're really going to drive home that piece of, you know, just be as authentic as you possibly can be. And yeah. then, and also to, you know, having the abundance mindset, I think is, is something that artists need to, to kind of adopt 
because in this particular industry, it everybody is always comparing themselves to the next person. Mm-hmm. And it is That's hard. Why we left Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> and we're out. We were there 16 years. Wow. And I, I knew that I wanted to probably like try somewhere else in the world. But um, so we're in Wilmington, North Carolina now, but we just spent several months in Florida and we were building a home there. And I, we, I don't know, by the time this episode comes out, I honestly have no idea if we will be back in Florida or not. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. My husband and I had that conversation because like there was such a huge shift when we left where it was, there was so much more ease and we were like, what is that coming from? You know? And I said, you know, what's interesting we haven't been around an environment where we've had to compare ourselves to anybody. Like we were living in a retirement community for those few months. So it was really, you know, very different. But I mean, for a season, we lived across the street from one of the guitar players in Paramore. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of celebrity in like a few square miles because we lived very close to Belmont University. Mm-hmm. And how do you compete with that? And how does that not on some level infiltrate your psyche? Yeah. <laughs> so when you can leave, which is another reason why I love the digital space and how much possibility it creates for artists is because you don't all have to be in the fucking meccas anymore. You can be in wherever lights you up and gives you the most like inspiration because you're going to create better art that way anyway. Hello. Right. You can go wherever you know, and, and it doesn't matter because you can build this business digitally. You don't have to be in Nashville, LA, New York, what have you. Um, it was just like, to your point, it was, it was really profound how much that, how much peace we experienced just by not being in that environment anymore. Sure. I get it. I I'm in Ohio. You know, I don't, I don't live in Nashville anymore. Uh, it just, it just happened to work out that way with, you know, things, you know, personally, but then also then COVID happened. And I, I have to say like, I love Nashville and I love, you know, what it, what it has done for me. I've made some amazing friends, Aaron included, and, you know, and now she and I have this business, but I feel the most present in my own life. And I feel the most supported when I'm near my family, you know? Oh Yeah. And, and I, and I love, I love my hometown. We have fantastic musicians here. I love the guys in my band. And so it's, it's wonderful to be able to, you know, to travel back and forth when I need to. But like you said, you know, the digital space has completely opened up and it has created so many opportunities. So I don't have to be in Nashville if I don't need to be, I can be here with my family and still doing everything that I need to do. Yeah. And I still think that that's just another like old carryover archaic idea from the old school business model is that you have to be in one of those areas. Right. I think it can be really helpful for young artists, especially like if you're college age and you're just starting your career and being in a creative environment can be really a great experience. But when you get to a point where you actually like for us, we needed to be near the water. We needed to be near an ocean. We mm-hmm. had to be near an ocean and we could not do it anymore in a landlocked state like Tennessee. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was honestly depleting our creative juices. And so I think not only is it allowing artists to be able to go where it inspires them, but it also is creating hopefully, um, and especially with the shifts happening with COVID, like hopefully just 
more good music in more places. You know, it's not like, well, you have to go to these places to get the good music. It's like, actually, there's great music everywhere now. You know, I think that's right. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you think about it, like there's there's so many people that have asked me like, well, you know, the next time that you decide to, you know, to cut some music, are you going to do it in Nashville? And I'm like, absolutely not. I can't afford it. Yeah. You know, why? Why do I need to go to Nashville to cut something when there are phenomenal engineers and producers here in my home state that yeah. some of them I've worked with? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm going to go back to this person because number one, they're not astronomical. But then number two, I haven't met anybody in Nashville that I liked better than that individual. Yeah. And you can do everything digitally. Like my husband, the bulk of his business, he was mixing people from out of state. Right. You know, and it was like he was getting the same results. He actually interned at Blackbird in Nashville for a season um, right before we got pregnant with our oldest son. And he literally we had like a dumpy duplex, two bedroom duplex. One of the bedrooms was his studio and he mixed a couple of songs for someone. I don't even remember who it was and went in to test it in one of Blackbird's studios. And one of the staff engineers was like, oh, did you do that here? He was like, uh, no, I did it in my bedroom. But to your point, if you're good at what you do, it doesn't matter. No. And that's one of the things that I think is really sad too about how artists are still paying through the nose to work with these producers just because they have certain accolades right. to their title. And I mean, the amount of money I see people spend and then they have no plans on how to recoup. Right. Like they just, they will spend tens of thousands of dollars on a record because they think that's what they have to do and no plan on how to recoup that income. And I'm like, I, 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 <laughs> I <don't laughs> I'm done about it. What happened? Yeah. Like any more when, when I've, you know, I've, I've talked to a few of my friends who are like, yeah, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And my first question to them is how are you going to market it? And they go, <laughs> and I'm like, please stop what you're doing. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's why like I, people hear me harp on the music business all the time and there's a lot of great people in the music industry. I, I wouldn't suggest otherwise, but the, the model is just not appropriate for independent artists right. anymore. You know, and I think again, like it still goes back to that idea that we've just kind of been sold that this is how you have to do it. You know, you have to go get a great record because again, that's a mindset of the product is the music. Mm -hmm. But if the product is the music and no one's paying for that anymore, where does that actually leave you? And no one follows that through logically anymore, right. you know? And so it is, it's, it's dumbfounding how little artists think about the, what the, the piece that comes after. Yeah. And, and, and also it's, it's not surprising because we've never had to before because the business model was always, you'd make the music and then you get discovered. Right. <laughs> and then everyone, then there's a team of people that comes in and they do all of it for you. Yep. And little do you know, they're going to make all kinds of sorts of decisions about who you are, what you're going to show up as, what kind of music you're going to sing, what, you know, kind of royalties you will or won't get. They're going to make all sorts of decisions that you have very little say in. And you're signing away so much of your rights in a way. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, certainly in back in the day, people were legitimately signing away their rights to their music. True. Um, 
but but just the rights to their own intellectual property and the right to just have a self-directed life creatively. Yeah. And when you think about, I believe that really, and I said this earlier, most artists just want to live a fully expressed life and they want to be seen. And you can't be fully expressed when the label is dictating how you show up in the world. Yep. You 100%. I've, I've got some friends who, uh, they just got signed to a management company and, and I'm very happy for them. And I, I'm really hoping everything works out. I, I can't honestly say right now where I'm at in my career. If somebody were to go, here's a deal. I don't know if I'd be able to sign it just because I know what comes with it. And, and it would have to be a pretty sweet deal. You right. know, because yeah. it, 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 at that point, like I, I don't want to say that I'm a control freak, but I have built my life up to a point now where I have freedom that I want and I'm not okay when somebody tries to take it away from me. Yes. <laughs> That's a conversation for like all, a lot of things happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But no, I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. And I think a lot of artists still don't fully understand the implications, you know, behind what happens when you get a deal. Um, And I also think the other cool thing about it and kind of demystifying what labels really do for artists is they don't just come in and make you a star kid, you know, like they don't, that's not what they do. They're there to make money. They're a business. You are a cog in a wheel. Yep that that either determines whether or not they're going to write you off as a loss on their taxes this year or whether they're going you know what i mean like it's real really (laughs) and so um so when you think about being able to because there are times where it may make sense in the lifespan of an artist to partner with a, a record label still even to this day potentially sure but the especially for women there's so much power in building your own business and having owning your own traffic, owning your own email list, your text list, what have you, owning the information of your audience. Because if you're already making six figures and the label offers you like a not so great deal, you don't feel like you need them, like right. you were just saying. And so if you are being courted by a label and they're seeing that you're already a profitable entity, you've got a lot more power and leverage in that conversation to argue for a good deal because you don't need them. Abso-freaking-lutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> it, no, it's, it, that's, that's the thing. And, and also, too, I just want to say for anybody who's, who's listening, if you were being courted by a record label, get an entertainment lawyer. Yeah, a thousand percent. <laughs> Get an entertainment lawyer, somebody that can read a contract and knows exactly what the jargon means. Because I can honestly say, I don't know how to read a a record deal contract, and I would be scared to death to try to do it by myself. So I would pay the money to have an entertainment lawyer look it over and go, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, you have to protect yourself. You have to. Yeah, everybody should read about Leanne Rhymes' deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, one thousand percent. Okay, so um, I I want to talk about your coaching business and some of the services that you provide. So I, I want to give you that opportunity to be like, this is what I do. Come work with me, yeah. Um, yeah. because I think that 
that if we can, if we can, you know, help some artists and just say, look, if you're really floundering, let's go talk to Lindsay. Let's go, let's go see what she can do. Yeah. So I do work with clients one-to-one. Um, and I do provide a lot of different types of one-to-one services, depending on what the artist needs. So I have clients that are, that have hired me really just to, to rely more on the coaching aspect because they see that they need someone on their team that is going to be able to give them the emotional and spiritual and psychological support to continue to do the things that they're doing. I also have come on board with um, clients that need me for a short amount of time because they need some assistance with a particular project. So I actually worked with a client in UK earlier this year and she is, I love telling the story because it's just so freaking cool, but she's been independent for probably over 10 years and on her own had built up an email list of 6,000 subscribers and she had built her own subscribe, um, like men, not, not Patreon. Cause she wasn't using the Patreon formula membership program. She was running her own membership program. She was making a decent little bit of money and she was about to release a record and she had the opportunity to break the top 40 in the on the uk charts for the first time since the 90s as a female independent artist wow again like six thousand six thousand email subscribers it's not a huge number right like and she's been doing it for years the old-fashioned way just getting people to write their name on a you know clipboard that they pass around so we can absolutely grow that in a lot quicker way digitally these days but she um she ended up hiring me to just come on board because she needed to rework how she was doing her membership program. And she needed to start a more specific email campaign to revive her email list and let people know that this is coming. They really, she really needs their support so she can break the top 40. Um, and, and she did it. She landed at number 24 in between yeah. ABBA and like Fleetwood Mac. It was wow. Cool. But like to think, I mean, it's kind of on the one hand, a little bit sad to think she probably sold like 3,500 records or something like that and, and got into the top 40. But at the same time, like, dude, she, she did, did that it. all on her fucking own. Right. You know? So that I'm just saying that to give kind of an example of when I do work with one-to-one clients, it can be very varied. Mm-hmm. Um, Typically, it looks a lot, like I mentioned earlier, doing some business consulting, helping them do all the things that we've been talking about here today, and also helping to give that like coaching support to help them keep the momentum high and keep moving. Um, So I do work one-to-one, but I typically work with people either in a mastermind format or in some sort of group training and coaching program. And so I host masterminds several times a year. They're um, kind of a hybrid of what I do with one-to-one clients and they're done in a group format, which I find is for the client and the artist, a lot more cost-effective, but also they get a lot more momentum because they're in this awesome container with a bunch of other amazing women building businesses digitally. And the growth is like so, so cool to watch. Um, And then I also have my six-figure music business plan program that I just released actually in 2021 for the first time. And we are relaunching again in February of 22. And that functions more like an accelerator. So it's a 12-week program and it's partially guided with video trainings. So you have access to stuff that you can go back and, you know, re-reference, but it's also supported with group coaching and some one-to-one support and additional live training. So it's really a 12 week 
opportunity for artists, whether you are brand spanking new, whether you've been doing it for a long time, for you to get a, a say a crash course, but um, yeah, we'll call it a crash course, a crash course in really developing out your business model in a way that is not just going to bring you to the financial freedom that you desire, but also do it in a way that's really in alignment with who you are as an artist. It's not a, here's a step-by-step -step plan that's one size fits all. It's very custom. And mm -hmm. that's why we bring in that other coaching support, because again, not all artists are the same and you all deserve to have a business that inspires you. Otherwise you're going to burn out and not do anything. Right. <laughs> so what's the point? Um, so those are the three ways I typically work with, with clients. That's awesome. Well, thank you so very much for coming on the show and imparting all of this wisdom and really kind of helping to pull back the, the veil on the business side of things and just, and being real and just saying, look, this is exactly what it is. We're not going to sugarcoat it. So that, that means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I love any opportunity to demystify bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and, and we, we need that as, as independent artists, it's important for us to really have our eyes open to what is actually going on in the industry, what works and what doesn't. And, and I love that we talk so much about, you know, the old music business model compared to what it should look like now. And really the fact that the matter is you don't need a label. You don't need a management company. It is all attainable on your own. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Lindsay. This has been a pleasure. And I just, I, I'm in awe of you and uh, your spirit. I just, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to our listeners about this stuff. Thank you.